0: Do you know how magical and powerful you really are? Chances are you probably don't, but in today's episode, I'm going to show you just that. Just how magical and powerful you really are.
1: Welcome to Love featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves
2: across my face. I feel the light.
0: Welcome to Love Life. I'm Jane Donovan and I'm really happy and excited to have you join me today because I've chosen today to ask a selected group of people a common question. Who is it that you would like to thank and why? And I kind of said, eh, we're not going to do the mom, the dad, the children, the partner. We're not going to do the obvious. I want to talk about the stories of people Who changed who you are as a person as a result of an incident or a conversation that you had? The following stories I'm going to share with you are fascinating, each completely different, and yet they all have the common theme of the proof, the evidence that we never know in life when we are changing another person's life for the better. You hold this power within, and I hope you enjoy hearing the stories of how others, have transformed people's lives unexpectedly through conversations, incidences or situations and likely they never knew what was going to happen as a result. I hope you enjoy the stories.
3: Hi, I'm Amber Petty and I am the host of the Wise Guides podcast and the person I would like to thank is Michelle God, I wish I knew her second name, but she was my boss at Sports Girl when I was about 17 years old, and she was about 40 or if not 41, um, which, of course, to a 17-year-old could seem like such an old age. But <laughs> Very old. Was, oh, my God. So, like, so old, like me.
0: Well, like, um, restored fossil old.
3: That's exactly it, but she was the most wonderful woman, and honestly, I have thought about this over, over so many years since I knew her, because what she said to me about what it was like to turn 40 had such a profound and positive impact on me, because leading up to, obviously, there was plenty more years to go, but I never feared turning 40. I... Remember seeing how beautiful my mum was at her 40th birthday. But, you know, I knew my mum wasn't necessarily a happy woman. But the way that this woman, Michelle, told me that she said, when you're 40, she said it is such a wonderful time in your life because she said you're no longer trying to prove to people who you are. You know exactly who you are. She said you don't waste time on having sex with people you don't want to. Um, <laughs>
4: Very not, good.
3: Yeah. Not not sure i have necessarily nailed that one.
0: Uh, um, <laughs> Men, please do not email me asking for Amber's contact details.
3: <laughs> no, no, because I'm still going through the stage of I don't trust having sex with anybody, so I'm not interested. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, she was, she had this beautiful energy about her. She was very, um, even though it was a sports girl and it was quite a big store and it was pretty full on, She was very sort of cool and lovely and soft, um, but she was very capable. She had very long blonde hair, and there was just something really, really uh, that I connected with her. And as I said, I never forgot what she said. And because I looked up to her for whatever reason, I really believed that that was was the way to go and that that that, that was true. And as you know, Jane, because you're at my 40th – My 40th birthday and the way I went into that, I don't think I could have done it any more positively. I think it's one of probably my proudest chapters in life in terms of how i thought through how i wanted to honor myself on my 40th birthday how i wanted to put together a party that i would remember forever because i haven't been married before so it was like a wedding to me and you know and so many people said what a special party it was because i think they picked up on that and you know Hey, was, I'm not saying.
0: I, I have to interrupt and say it yeah. was an amazing party, what? and oh, it, was, it was the best. I would just like to say I take credit for finding that cool venue. By the way,
2: yes, you do.
3: Yes, <laughs> thank you, because that was such a star star venue, the Cromethian in
0: um, Grote Street. Yes, beautiful. But yeah. I also, what about you? You just radiated from the inside out. Such beauty. And it was matched on the outside in. In fact, I think that we need to uh, find a photo of you for your 40th and pop it up on our Facebook group. Oh, that would be so cute. We have to show oh, how beautiful you are. We have to put that's... a little tag there saying, if anybody knows a Michelle that worked at Sports Girl in, yep. what would that have been? That
3: yeah, In Little Collins Street in, in Melbourne in, now when would that have been, 1987 or thereabouts? Let's try and
0: find her. It shouldn't be oh too my hard. Because Wouldn't
3: I... it be just so wonderful? Because she's also the type, I think I said to you the other day, I didn't tell you too much about her, but I said, the woman that I want to thank is someone that... I believe there is a fair chance that she'd be the type that would r- listen to your podcast.
0: Because she's still 40 and Maybe fabulous. Maybe one day, she
3: No, because I think she was really connected and, and in touch with herself and seemed to be someone that was quite positive and empowered.
0: Yes, it sounds like she was a deep thinker even though... Yeah. And what is so beautiful about this story is that we just don't know who we are influencing and on I, what, and that's what's I, so powerful. Would this woman have any idea that Amber no, Petty, who's no. globe trotted and had an amazing life, been given the opportunity to answer that question, chose Michelle from Sports Goal,
3: and, and also th- the, you know the fact that you you acknowledge like how much and you know my life had in in and around that had not been great so let's not just say that I was always fabulous you know or feeling you've had no
0: you had had some challenges some big challenges and that was going into the 40 that you were going through all of that deep self-development
3: that's correct and so so to be charged by a memory of someone that inspired me such as this woman called Michelle to have been at my party and I'm not you know I don't want to name drop it there were some pretty Im- oh, wow. amazing people in that
0: room. Um, I'll name drop. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll name drop. <laughs> Princess Mary. How's that for a biggie? Andrew Demetrius. And I was about to Did say he was, was my next one. And then yeah. uh, and now there's another guy. I'm trying to think of his name, which is uh, also football-related.
3: Oh, Wayne. Wayne um, Jackson. Wayne Jackson. Yes, Wayne Jackson. Yes, yes. Yeah. Look, yeah. And and look. Let's let's stop there before.
0: Now I have to share. When I think of your beautiful party, and it yes. was such an important part of your life. And and your uh, your friend at, at your boss at Sports Goal is so right that forty is a very empowering time for women. And you were wanting to create this beautiful, very intimate, very personal situation. And yeah. this beautiful event where we all felt deep love and connection for each person in the room, that it was yeah. a celebration of your 40 years of existence and the people that met the most to you at that time. Yes. And so, yes, you have the Crown Princess of Denmark attending, so there's protocol that goes with that. And yeah. through that, of course, there's, you know, some emails that have to go out about how, you know, we can't take photos and that you would have professional photos taken and shared, etc. and all completely understandable. And, that, uh, and then you had a funny entertainer get up on stage <laughs> who said, I am so honoured that this evening I am performing in front of royalty. And the whole room, you could hear it. They just went, oh, oh, God. oh my God, no, no. We have the king of carpet here. No, we have the carpet we, king. Oh, we have the carpet king, oh, we it have the carpet so, king here. It was so...
3: Funny because anyone that in the new, the room that knew my dad knew that my dad in the seventies had this massive business in Sydney in Parramatta called Carpet Kingdom, and at one particular point he did some pretty pretty grotesque
0: ads, oh,
4: that was and
3: so funny. they had him. They had him dressed up as the as, as the carpet king. And he had the scepter and he had the bloody robe. And, of course, the perfect comedic timing from this guy who was just like, yeah, everyone went, oh, he's not going to, like, you know, leave her alone. She's like, We're not supposed to be talking about it. And then, of course, right up the front is my dad. And he's like, of course, we've got the carpet king over here. <laughs> I knew he was going to do it. And, oh, my
0: God, did oh. I laugh it went down so well it was so
3: funny it really was you know and i also got up and and said a speech and and you know in many just because i was on radio didn't mean that i was great about getting up at at a you know on a special emotional night for me and being able to you know be funny and 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 be able to kind of impart sort of wisdom and let people know how how they how they you know what they meant to me but i got up and i was really just in this beautiful kind of zone, and I just think that it's just incredible that, that as I go back to Michelle, that she, what she set off in me when I was 17 was a positive thread that led to that night, and what everyone saw in the room about how, you know, they laughed at my speech, they did, you know, whatever, um, how they felt that I looked, you know, even how it came on, off on some of the photos, which I look and think, oh, I'm so glad I got beautiful photos. Um, you know, it's amazing, the thread that you can set someone off on um, and, and maybe they never know.
0: Well, you know, she consciously or subconsciously set an intent for you or you chose from her wisdom to set an intent of making sure that by the time I get to 40 I am going to be self-empowered I am going to be my version of Michelle
3: yeah and I think also the thing is too um is that that didn't come easy and it's not just because a lot of women find it hard to reach 40, but also I had arrived at a place where I had to stand up on that stage on my own. I didn't have a partner. I didn't even really have any catalogue of, of, of really successful relationships behind me. I didn't have children. There was a lot of didn'ts that I had arrived at 40 without. So to push through them and to still feel really good about my and genuinely feel good about myself during that time... Um, is pretty amazing
0: it is amazing and to come back to that moment of Michelle saying that yeah, one short conversation in 1987 yep. it, it makes me stop and feel how many conversations do we have that have this huge ripple effect
3: totally we
0: have no idea and I feel it's important that we actually take a moment to stop and consider that to consider how dynamic we really are and the power that we really have to influence others to help make great change to be a role model or be a catalyst for something to change in somebody else's life yeah and And it's incredibly powerful
3: and i think you know that book um the four agreements and one of the four agreements being integrity of your word it's like i just know that michelle was the type of person and again we can all learn from pr- from that who when she is talking about something important as she was talking to a young girl on that day about turning 40 and she could tell that i sort of you know i don't know whether she knew that i looked up to her but i was listening intently and she spoke with wisdom and integrity and, and in that I moment Opportunities to do that and we don't always take them up and we don't always realise how important it is. It's like, what am I talking about and who am I talking about it to? You have an opportunity to do what Michelle did without making a song and dance about it, you know?
0: Yes, exactly. And tying it in with be impeccable with your words because in that moment... Michelle, if she was a different type of person, could have chosen to have said something like, I've got my 40s coming up and I feel so old and I'm haggard and I've got wrinkles and grey hair and my stomach's not what it used to be and I haven't achieved what I thought I would achieve by 40. It could have been a real victim story.
3: Well, she'd already turned 40. I just want to point that out. She was past 40. Oh, okay. But it could have been a victim story. It could, it could have, have- I, I, or she could have done what it, what a lot of people do is start doing the old self depreciation oh yeah, well, when you get to my age or when you do, you get to my age and oh you know well, oh you've got your, all, you've got it all ahead of you or just all that crap, I find that so so ugly that, that, that sort of talk.
0: Well, I've had to actually consciously break the cycle of many generations in my family of women that do put themselves down on their physical appearance.
4: Yeah, I and hate it.
0: I consciously I grew up hearing my grandma talk about her big thighs and then I heard my mum talk about them and I'm looking going, I've got the same figure as my mum and my nana. Great. Now I have to share that when my mum was doing this, she was modelling. She didn't have big thighs. She was beautiful. Yeah. She is still beautiful, yeah. and I'm talking about physical beauty in comparison to inner beauty. Um But I started taking that on, and I started to believe I had big thighs and that I didn't like them. And when I get, well, or
3: or, or also, oh, I've reached this age. That's right. I'm supposed to start apologising for my big fat thighs and how that's, you know, might be implicating people's eyeballs.
0: That's right. I can always remember a journalist (laughs) in Adelaide writing a high profile. um, I won't say journalist, high-profile celebrity that uh, was writing for the local paper, writing about how, oh, you've hit 40, you need to cut your hair now. And she was shaming Earl McPherson for having long hair.
3: Oh, what a pathetic person.
0: (laughs) But isn't it interesting? We we, we talk about uh, moments. I read that that article and my instant reaction was laughter. I didn't even get angry. I just laughed and I felt sad in a way that really that somebody still thinks that
3: way (laughs) but you know what there's people like that woman out there everywhere making um the same impact on people's lives in a negative way
0: Mm, it's the flip side of what you had with Uh, michelle
3: and, and and i hate to say everything both examples are going to result in karma so i'm pretty sure michelle would have had some nice stuff come back to her over her life and i'm pretty sure this other person would have probably ended up in situations where she's probably felt revolting about herself, because she's thrown that out there and a boomerang's back.
0: That's right. Hey, I want to put another challenge out. Not only do we want to find Michelle from which was it, Collins Street? Did you say? Yep,
3: yeah, Little Collins Street um, Sports Girl in 1987 Melbourne, 1987 in Not Melbourne, about 1987 or thereabouts. She i hoping that- she was the manager.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm hoping that we find Michelle and I'm hoping that Michelle's happy to come on the Love Life Show. Oh, and share what was her mindset there? Was she aware that she was influencing somebody yeah. that in turn has gone on to be so influential? I mean, at one point you correct me if I'm wrong here, Amber, but at one yeah. point I think you were um, the, your ratings were you were the most powerful woman Oh, they... For a certain age group, like was it 18 to 38 or something like that? It was 18 to
3: 35 and it was, I think it was one of the magazines that comes out with the newspaper and it was was the, the 50 most influential people in South Australia and there was only seven women, which was a disgrace, and they'd thrown me in there and said that I was one of the most influential for the influence I had on women that are between 18 to 35. And, but then they, but then they, so they throw that out, and I'm like, oh, wow, what a lovely compliment. And then they've thrown a Paris Hilton. You know, you get the feeling that parents might, you know, might wonder whether this Paris Hilton, there was something that sort of t- tugged it away, you know, the compliment away, and I just went, whatever.
0: Oh, dear. <laughs> but... But back yeah. to Michelle, you know, would she have had any idea that that one conversation then heard by a 17-year-old's young ears yes, gave you the intent of role modelling?
3: Would would then have an opportunity to go out and speak a whole lot of words publicly and to a wide audience and, and doing my column for the advertiser for seven years, you know, that's a lot of moments to be... To be putting stuff out that people might have gone off with with and gone oh god that really had an impact on me or or the other way you know, uh, I don't know but But you're of influence
0: and what what I love about this too is that so many of our listeners are teachers, healers, leaders they are absolutely in the situation where this kind of story is potentially playing out for them every single day, every single moment, you know they've got the client that's come in that they're giving them kinesiology or they've got the Um, the group of women that they're talking to about their nutritional um, excellence that they've got to, whatever it is that our Love Life tribe are teaching and healing, yes, this is what the effect is. And that's why I feel these stories are so important to share so that we really do... I love this topic. I think it's heaven. Oh, thank you. It's Um, really
3: beautiful.
0: Oh, that's good. Well, hopefully the intent of sharing these stories is to help people to really realize that they do have an influence way beyond what they may perceive they do and that's encouraging when you know sometimes it's not easy for the light workers that are constantly trying to be positive particularly when there's a lot of negativity going on around them to try and role model what it looks like to be a conscious person and so perhaps these stories help them to keep motivated and keep going and keep doing it.
3: I agree. I, I couldn't agree. The, 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 the snowball effect of beautiful, positive moments are all over the world. But I think sometimes, especially as you say, these, these uh, listeners that are teachers and healers, where it is relentless, they have to show up day after day after day, trying to be leaders, trying to be guiders, trying to be nurturers. And that's frigging exhausting. I mean, someone like me that's not in that game, I can take a week off if I don't really want to be nice to anyone.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? We actually do have conversations where Emma will ring me up and say, "Radio, okay, we're having five minutes of unspiritual talk.
3: You know what? <laughs> Honestly, I have, had, I have had so much going on in the last week alone that I have been, I and I haven't been handling it that well, so God knows what my ripple effect has been in the last week, but I have been stomping around, um, you know, sighing, and puffing. I mean, I'm lucky I didn't snap my ankles a, a, a couple of times during the week. I was like stomping that hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I've if seen I you do it. Up I do know what I and,
3: mean. <laughs> imagine if I had to show up and nurture and heal, and you know, I, 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 yeah, that that that's consistency. Um, and I think they're amazing.
0: They are. They are. And on that note of you stomping and and carrying on for the past week, I think you've yeah. you've you've cleared that karmic debt by recording this beautiful story so thank you for I really hope that. so. I really hope <laughs> yeah.
3: because seriously I look like some sort of angry old cartoon man like Mr what was that what was that um you know that angry there was a cartoon that was the old man he was always Mr. stomping Magoo. around and, who Mr.
0: Magoo that's, it.
3: that's it. I feel like I've been Mr. Magooing myself the last week
0: as long as that's <laughs> not self-depreciation
3: I don't mind no no it's not I'll Facebook Live at next time I feel like I'm getting that <laughs> might I'll go, right, this for you, Jane. <laughs> to prove I'm not being self-depreciating.
0: I'm oh, fantastic. Life. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, well, let's put the call out there to see if yeah. anybody can help us track down Michelle. We lost the end of that recording, unfortunately, but thank you to Amber for sharing her beautiful and very funny story and to Michelle from Sports Girl and Little Collins Street in Melbourne in 1987.
2: I'm Catherine and I'm from the UK. I would like to thank um, a 14-year-old boy called George who uh, just before Christmas walked out in front of my car because he was trying to commit suicide. And at wow. the time, it was the most horrendous, core-shattering, terrifying experience. I mean, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare that you... you it's the worst-case scenario when you're driving, the thought of ever hurting someone with your car. And it happened. And he totally changed everything. For him, it was about... Being in so much pain and wanting to end things and and not knowing what 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 you know what the way out was, he had no idea. And I haven't seen him since. I haven't heard from him since. I know he was okay. So sorry, I just probably should clarify. He was fine. He was okay. I wasn't going fast, um, but it got him the help that he needed eventually. I think it, it helped to show his parents that he was in a really bad place. How did you um, know
0: that he? He it was a suicide attempt and not just vaguing out and stepped in front of a car.
2: So he he immediately said so. So at the beginning he was unconscious, um, in the road and I got out and and sort of immediately felt like I needed to give him as much love because I I'm not a doctor I don't know what to do in those kind of situations but all I could do was give him absolute as much love as I could so I was holding his hand and I was stroking his hair and I was he woke up and he was talking to me. Um, and he just kept saying, like, I did this myself. I, I I chose to do this, and it felt like it was important to him to protect me because I was the driver. I could have I could have been I could have been charged, you know. Um, but he made it very clear to everybody that he had been having trouble, and he was you know he tried to, he was trying to kill himself so. To have that kind of bravery as well, it really inspired me. The way he was just so adult—he's fourteen—and he just very calmly said, "I chose to do this myself." And he calmly answered, "They were because the the paramedics came and they were asking questions about, you know, were you on drugs? Have you been taking drugs? Have you been drinking?" And he very, very calmly—it's almost like he knew what to do. It's like he was guiding me through this experience. He it thought about really, this
0: perhaps a lot. Well, I guess he had.
2: had. Yeah. I mean, he he was talking to me, and he was... I knew he felt safe with me, and he didn't... There, there were lots of other people getting involved eventually, Um, like people who lived in the houses next door and cars were stopping and stuff like that, and I could tell he was getting quite scared of all the people, but he when it first happened when it was just us two he was talking to me like it was just us um and then he got his his parents came out because he lived right next door um and then he kind of just got swept away and and i didn't get a chance to really talk to him or, or explain to him that it was okay and like his parents kept saying you know i'm so sorry that he did this i'm so sorry he did this to you and i was thinking he didn't do it to me he it wasn't something to do to someone else. It was just, we both got swept up in this moment. It was, it was a very kind of life changing thing to happen. Um, but he has no idea that he, he, he changed so much for me, you know, as well. So, what did he definitely... change for you, Catherine? So, uh, beforehand, I had been really struggling with, um, trusting men so i have a very close circle of women in my life friends who i'm very open and very trusting very close to um i still struggle with with trusting men and sort of seeing them as other human beings and to have this young man come to me basically and say i am in so much pain i am so vulnerable i have so many fears and insecurities it totally totally changed my perspective on you know actually these are human beings as well and they're beautiful human beings they're not out to get me they're not out to hurt me they're not out to hurt my friends or users they're just they just as scared and as untrusting as we are you know and 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 it was a <laughs> real wake up call a real wake up call for me so yeah i
0: think because that's, there that's is it. no difference between the genders and yet <laughs> That's ironic that I say that when I've recorded of, what, over 200 episodes, probably half of them about the difference between the chapters and trying to connect. But the reality is that if we go at a deep soul level, we're all doing the best we can, all wanting the same thing, and there is no difference. So this beautiful 14-year-old boy, and as you know, we don't believe in coincidence or serendipity. We believe in synchronicity, chose you as his earth angel, to step in I know front that. of
2: your car there was there was no one else there. it was it was dark it was it was i was coming home from work it was a country road so although cars came by eventually and th- there were people there eventually initially it was just me and him we both had that experience together and 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 i i know that it it happened at the right time it, it was you know it was hard it's hard to explain but it definitely happened at a certain point So I agree. Not just the
0: beautiful gifts that you have received from this, but you also, you know, he very cleverly chose an earth angel. Now, I don't know if you remember a couple of months ago, we did an episode on Love Life about earth angels, and we talked about scenarios like this. And now in this role, in his eyes, you were the earth angel.
2: Yeah. I mean, I kind of thought it was things like, okay, paying for the person's coffee in front of you in a queue or, you know, picking up someone's. Um, shopping for them i didn't think it would be you know kneeling on the floor in in the wet rain and holding someone's hand while the ambulance came but it it goes it it can be in any form so you know it doesn't kind of matter but i well, he he could have chosen
0: to flip side on that he could have chosen a car where somebody gets out and just somebody is angry and that person steps in front of the car and they're really annoyed they're in the victim mode of get out of my way you idiot you know, or something yeah. really, that real hostile default emotion, whereas your default yeah. emotion is, oh, my gosh, get this car, get I've got to get the car out the way of him, and then I've got to immediately be of service to this beautiful boy.
2: It, it surprised me because the majority of people understood the the trauma of, of seeing someone, you know, go across your windscreen. The, most people understood that and there were surprisingly a couple of people who reacted in a totally different way and went what a selfish person they they and, and 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 I can I can see their perspective as well but it was it was interesting how different people kind of saw it from different angles um and it it was interesting i mean i i wasn't driving fast i was knackered from work i was going very slowly um and you know the paramedics said, you know, gosh, look, there isn't even a crack on your windscreen blast. Like, the, the, there's no blood. He's he's a bit dazed, but he's fine, you know. And, and and I think that, you know, he he. I feel like he picked my car. I Just pick his,
0: car. your car. He picked you. And that's what I was saying was that, you know, in the telling of the story, you've experienced different people's reactions. Now, imagine yeah. if somebody thought it was really selfish was the person driving the car. That may have had a whole different outcome. Instead... Yeah. He's chosen an earth angel who's got compassion and love, and the right words and the right energy and vibration to deliver to help him heal in that moment of shock of, I actually did this, and I'm still here. Where to from here? You know, in that moment, I imagine all of that would be going through his mind, and as you said, that's been the catalyst for him to get the help that he needs.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because his his mum took my number as she was going off in the ambulance and 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 left a message the next day to say that he was okay because i'd asked if she could um and she said you know what it's just before christmas i'd like to have a bit of space on my own um and you know we'd like as a family to 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 heal and processes after christmas you're welcome to get in touch with us and i funnily enough haven't i i haven't i haven't felt like i needed to and it's, it's, I, I, Your I expected, job was
0: done.
2: Yeah, I expected like first of January, I'd be on the phone. You know, how is he? Can I speak to him? He needs to know how I feel. He needs to know it's okay. And and you know, after the initial shock, um, I kind of felt like I understood and had processed the whole experience really quickly and didn't need to say anything else to them. And it was it was definitely an interesting. I, I wasn't expecting to kind of. I almost ex- was expecting to kind of end up having a, some sort of a, a kind of friendship with with George, maybe, you know, checking in on him every now and then and seeing how he was and offering support. But I I just know that I don't need to do that. It's It's strange. And the trusting of men,
0: I mean, that's a huge gift for you to receive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so your interaction uh, with men since then, has it changed?
2: I have become more understanding and kinder to them. And so before, if I'd be out with my girlfriends and a guy would try and talk to me, I'd be very dismissive and I'd be very, well, you know, sorry, but I'm with my friends and not this time, you know. um, You had a lot of defence barriers up and uh, mechanisms? Yeah, like if I give them an indication that I'm open to talking to them, then they are going to, you know, they are going to expect. They're going to want something from you want something from me and um, and now i realize that actually i don't need to i don't need to go down that route at all but i can still be nice and i can still give them encouragement because actually it probably took a lot of bravery to come and talk to a group of girls and they should be supported and they should be honored and and you know i never realized how horrible i was being to guys actually do you know um, that is a so-
0: very crucial point in the healing as women that we need mm. to make. We've done, a, you know, a lot of us have done a lot of work about how we've been victims of a patriarchal society. But it's so exciting to see this is what, you know, when I've spoken with like Rebecca Brown about the divine feminine and I've spoken yeah. on uh, my New York show about it a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it really is about the opening up of the heart to be healing, not just the self but the other. And yeah. we can only do that through recognizing the other's journey through realizing that everybody has pain everybody whenever they are acting from fear it is always through pain also beautiful um, beautiful Diane McCann who I did sex and tantric with in a recent Mm -hmm. episode you know we talk a lot too about the healing of the planet is going to come from the feminine heart and I feel like what you've experienced in this mo in this moment in this what could have been a very traumatic incident yeah. is actually the opening of your heart for the, for a deeper connection with everyone.
2: Yeah, yeah I think so because it's, it's all, you know, and I, I've noticed how when I'm having those kind of interactions now, like, you know, when I'm out with my friends and stuff, my friends are now reacting to my different behavior. So before I would be, cause you know, I'll, I'll be defensive before that happened i'll be defensive then they'll pick up and they'll go Hmm, yes that man is a got you know he, he's we should be suspicious of him and oh that was creepy and oh well good thing you got rid of him and i've noticed now that now if somebody comes and tr- talks to us or or if there's interaction there i'll be more friendly and, and and enjoy the interaction and enjoy the connection and my friends as well so it's kind of i'm kind of noticing that it's kind of they're picking up on my energy. Um, it's the ripple
0: comes- effect. That wonderful butterfly ripple effect, hundred monkey yeah. syndrome, whatever it is—all of those sayings <laughs> that you know. We no. I go on ad nauseum about in podcasts is that we re- and that's part of the intent of this question that I'm wanting to ask the tribe is because we don't know when we're making a difference in someone else's lives. Mm-hmm. We really don't know, and yet. In this particular scenario, you are aware of how you are making a difference in others' lives because your friends are seeing you role model a different way of of being, a different way of connection with others. That's spreading yes. the love, Catherine. I can't think of a better example.
2: I hope so. I think George has done a really good job there. But I think the most useful connection is this has all come from another another boy's suffering and and. He's helping other boys to feel braver. Okay, maybe a bit older than fourteen, but you know, he's 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 indirectly, without even knowing, he is actually kind of helping us to treat other men with a bit more respect and and to encourage them. And I think that's the most amazing thing. So yeah, it's it's really cool. It's good.
0: <laughs> I just got goosebumps when you said that, and I had um I had a vision in my mind of George listening to this recording. I wonder if you'll get to hear.
2: Maybe.
0: Interesting. maybe. <laughs> so often the people that change and shape our lives are the people that we don't get to actually say thank you to later on. So thank you so much for sharing that, Catherine. It's beautiful.
2: Hey, you're welcome. I hope it makes
4: a difference somehow. Hi, I'm Tanya from South Australia. Okay, I would like to thank uh, a really close friend now, actually, Joe Clark. The reason I'd like to thank her is um, being from a sporting background, um, uh, playing basketball. Um, my 15th or 16 year old, I was very quiet. Um, I cannot imagine that. I have to interject here and go, Tanya, you were never quiet. Are you serious? You were quiet. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't talk. I didn't... um... versing with people, I found it hard. I found it hard to hold a conversation. I was... It mortified me to actually have to have a conversation with someone to actually be me. You know what? I think this is really beautiful. Before we've even got to who you're thinking, (laughs) it's really beautiful to share this because there are people
0: listening to this podcast that actually are in exactly that same place and they're going to hear you being bold on a podcast, talking, laughing, confidently speaking, going, I'll never be like that. And you don't have to be like that. Nobody has to be like that. That if it's
4: a desire to be like that, you can be like that, now, can't you? Yeah. No, you can. And and that's and that was the whole. With her, she was outgoing. She was the loudest, the most obnoxious. She she did it all. Like she was big and bold warrior woman, unbelievably so. And I was this tiny, meek person that never spoke, never said anything. Um, now she was never. It was never, ever a um, rudeness or a... um, uh, So she wasn't putting you down? She wasn't putting me down, no, no. But it was, I had to do it or be eaten. So I had to be loud, I had to... She challenged you to yes. rise up to make yeah. her yeah. energy yeah. going, so I I'm to... being this, and if you want to be a part of this team, we need you all to be yeah. like this. Yeah, exactly. Was that her dialogue, it, do you think? Exactly. But, we, I mean, when we... She met... gave you permission, did yeah. she? Do you well, feel like she gave you permission to be this person in a way that she... maybe you wanted to be, but you didn't know... How to be. That's exactly right. In, in a way, like, four, when, you, when you're 15 or 16, you're, you're coming into yourself. So, in a way, she had no idea that she had such an effect on me, um, whereas, like, I go, she did. And, and even to this day, because we catch up now, I say, Joe, um, you're the reason I'm actually like this because I felt confident or at the time I wasn't confident... But now I am. But when I was going through it all, I felt I had to. I had to or else I, I would, I would, I'd drown. I wouldn't be seen. I wouldn't, especially in sports, you have to, we were a team sport, so it was, I had to be bigger, bolder. I had to be like her or even better than her or even louder than her to actually be seen. And I wasn't ever seen. I wasn't, it wasn't, it was Tanya. You know, I'm below her. I wasn't seen because she's the the loud one. She's the one that the coaches saw because they she was loud. She was she was out there. She was, whereas I wasn't. I was the quiet one, and yeah, I was a good player and 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 a great player, I thought. But I had to then become her to actually then. The Go scene. the next level. Go that next level and, and be on her. So she provided a platform for you and an a, a, an
0: example yeah. of I'm going on this ride. Yep. I want you with me. So she wasn't being aggressive no, in a negative no, way. She's no. She's going, I want you with me. Yep. Here's
4: where I aspire to us all going as a team. Yep. Are you on board? And if you are, this is what it looks like. Yep. And you either do or you don't. And we played many years together as well. So she, like, it wasn't, she was never, ever negative No, it wasn't a put-down. It was a, let's go on this journey together. But if you want to be a part of this, here's what I believe you need to do
0: to step up. Yeah. And let's get together on this and do this. So it was an energetic call to action. Yeah, that's exactly. A, that's a bold thing, isn't yeah, it?
4: Especially at that age, too. Yeah. I was, I was, um, and many people that knew me around that age would tell you the same thing that I was really quiet and to see me now. All right, my beautiful friend Tanya Ma.
0: <laughs> Tanya Ma is married to Brett Ma, nah, who's a three time Olympic basketballer for Australia. And Brett's the quiet one. Let me tell you. He's a fellow Aries (laughs) Brett and I like to have our little battles of the future of, you know, what are we going to manifest next? And we have little private giggles of everybody knows Aries are the best and him and I go, yeah, we know that, but everybody else just thinks we're full of it. (laughs) Yet really, if you and Brett, well, when you and Brett walk into a room, Brett might be the household name (laughs) that your personality is bold and beautiful and bright and shines so gorgeous. And you are the, you you instigated the beautiful Hudson Ma Foundation, which has saved lives of many children that have had to have bone marrow transplants through having various different diseases, but particularly the no, what's
4: it called sorry the oh the hemophagocytic lymphocytocytosis yeah hls h oh well, no wonder i can't <laughs> remember that one apologies
0: um and we will one day i'd love to invite you back on the love life show to oh, talk yeah. about Thank you for how you set up me. a foundation and the beautiful way that you have honored the passing of your
4: beautiful son hudson Oh, crossing over, he never passing, no, crossed over, stepped no. into another room. You and I know that. I know because he's still around, and I still he's see ringing doorbells and doing ding dong dash, and he's turning the windows computer exactly.
0: on and off in the middle of the night. He's exactly. he's very much making himself yeah. heard and producing double rainbows when you need <laughs> them, etc. However, coming back to the energy though of of you as a couple, anybody meeting the two of you now though would go, oh my god. I'm gonna meet Retna. Household name if you're in Australia, in the basketball world, etc. But it's actually you that have this really strong, beautiful energy of boldness, in it. It's like pure, it's like pixie energy of fun. fun. It's frivolous, but it's not not serious. It's so beautiful in its permission for everybody to just lighten up and have a good time in life and you do that the second they meet you so i am actually having known you even for as long as i have which is well over 20 years yes i am still shocked to hear that you were the quiet girl that
4: needed what was your friend's name joe clark
0: joe that needed joe to give you the show you the path to Mm -hmm. give you the way forward to show the way and give you the confidence and courage to be able to step into that. Take that deep breath and go, this is I think is I can do it. It's a yeah. quiet little voice that says, I think I can. I yeah. think I can. I think I can. Yep. Yeah. And you did. And it's chalk and cheese from yeah. what my experience oh. of you energetically is. Yeah. Yeah.
4: A lot of people do say, I can't believe that. And you're lying. So, okay. That it's important for people to hear these stories because yeah. this is the motivation for others to connect
0: with the stories and go. Well, I was that person. Yeah. But also, let's just go to Joe. Mm. Like you know, ka-chink with a cheers glass. <laughs> let's look into Joe's eyes and say cheers, Joe. Yeah. Because we never know when we make a difference, and that one moment of a challenge that she put out for a group of girls that were wanting to be the best they could be in a basketball team actually became the catalyst for you to become the woman Who that I you are am. today. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. i run a foundation that has yeah. helped so many children, supported and nurtured families that are in the most extreme of traumatic situations, given hope with your bubbly personality of life goes on. Confident you faced the, the worst scenario. Yeah. You lost your child. And yet your bubbliness and happiness is the motivation for others That life goes on regardless of what life deals you. Thank you. And yet, Joe was the catalyst to that. So, I want to say cheers to Joe.
4: Yeah. Thanks,
0: Joe, because you helped form the beautiful friend I have today, Tanya. And, Tan, cheers to you, my darling. Lisa is here with me, my other gorgeous friend. And we actually are chinking with our wine glasses and saying the ripple effect is amazing. We don't know what life dishes us, we don't know what tools we need when we need them. But what I promise every listener today, I promise you, in the moment you most need guidance, wisdom, inspiration, help, support, I promise you, it will come. I promise you. Thank you, Tanya. That's beautiful. Thank you. And I want to just apologize for the quality of the audio. Halfway through recording Tanya's beautiful story, we had a massive storm come down with really heavy rain. However, I did feel her story was so beautiful. I wanted to share it regardless.
1: Hi, I'm Megan and I'm from New York. And the person I'd like to thank is uh, a woman named Susan Zanario. And she is the founder of the Crime Victims Treatment Center. It's part of St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Centers here in New York City. And she um, she uh, started this organization back in the 1970s to do a lot of work with victims of sexual violence and domestic violence. And I was a victim back in 2010 and was brought in and brought into the this hospital. And her organization saved my life and it's she's one of the most amazing people that I've ever I've ever met and she's just if it wasn't for her I wouldn't be the woman I am today or even the spiritual person I am today their organization taught me a lot about um self-love and 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 all of the work that I've done has just been incredible
0: Megan you were a victim of sexual violence you said I was yes ouch
1: yeah, it's not a, not a not an easy thing to go through. So
0: you had this dreadful experience and then you found yourself in a hospital?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, at, at Saint Luke's here in New York. And then was it Susan that came to speak to you from It was actually so we have a volunteer advocate program and it was a volunteer that came to advocate for me while I through my experience in the hospital and linked me to this not for profit organization to go and do, um, you know, intense PTSD and trauma work with with this organization.
0: Right. So this is a free service. It's a charity or not-for-profit, as free, you said. Free
1: service. And their their specialty is sexual and domestic violence. And any victim, regardless if it happened in New York City or anywhere, we've actually done victims in Australia who who were here and had a triggering moment and came to our center. So we, we see anybody that comes across our door that wants help.
0: Now you're saying we, so I take it you went from being a victim to now being somebody that is counseling people and working through
1: the service yes I am actually one of their volunteer advocates and one of their mentors who mentors all of the new advocates that come into the hospital so yes I went from being a victim gone went through the program and now work work as a volunteer volunteer for them all the time
0: do you feel if that service had not been there when you arrived at the hospital having experienced extreme sexual violence would you have received the help that
1: you needed no I don't think so. I think that there's definitely a lot of therapy out there. There's not a lot of therapists that are trained to deal with sexual violence and that's all that they do. And I think that um, the way that they do work with all of the people that come across their door is something very different than what you get in a, in, in a typical therapy environment or um, you know any doctors. They're just not trained to deal with sexual assault on this level like all of these social workers are in this organization
2: wow i had
0: no <laughs> idea there was such an organization and i'm really thrilled to hear that so i'm also imagining i know we're getting off track here from from thanking lovely susan but i can also imagine that there likely are people listening to this recording who currently are in a situation where they're experiencing sexual violence
1: Do you have definitely any- I think that for me, after doing all of the volunteer work that I do, and I realizing that some of these people that come to the hospital, they come 20 years later because they don't know where else to go because all of the traditional therapy settings or doctors or their prescription medications because of depression just aren't working. They have to go and do the work to heal themselves. And it goes back to self-love. And that's kind of their focus is is really, really taking care of you. And then you can move forward and take care of anything else. But, you know, it's one day at a time philosophy. But but yeah, it's there are tons of people out there. They could they show up in my life every single day. And when, you know, I'll be standing at the grocery store and for some reason, someone will turn around and tell me that they're a victim of sexual assault. They have no idea that that's the work that I do. And I'm able to link them to different organizations to help them, you know, start their journey in recovery.
0: Well, that's the beautiful law of attraction, (laughs) law of vibration in action, as Mm -hmm. well as you know, the ripple effect that Susan created it. So is Susan, the founder of the,
1: she is, she's the founder of the, of the organization. And she started with her volunteer program. She was in, uh, uh, she worked in the hospital and just realized that there was a, a, a big problem when victims came in and the way that they were treated. And so she decided, took it upon herself to, to change that. And then created this organization to, uh, you know, to continue that work after you leave the hospital.
0: Wow. That's a warrior woman oh, to get that set up, isn't it? Like, I can imagine that that wouldn't have been a really easy process to actually get that charity set up and happening. Well, that not
1: for profit. No, definitely not. And and um, she's just done some amazing work. And she's she's you know I, I actually didn't meet Susan until many many years later after I had gone through the program. And, um, yeah, when I meet her, I'm just in awe of her. It's a, I almost can't speak. it like she's she's just incredible and her, her energy is incredible and, and the work that she does is incredible.
0: And this ripple effect, you know, <laughs> so you've gone in as a victim, you've gone through that beautiful process of counselling and support and love and and gaining the tools that you need to be able to heal and grow and move forward with more self-empowerment. But then you step into being a volunteer yourself, Mm -hmm. But not only are you therefore helping those within the hospital, the victims that are now coming in, but as you said, you're out in the grocery store and some girl turns around and starts telling you her story. So you have random people hook into your vibration, share their story, and then you're able to share the resources to support them, Mm -hmm. which which is amazing. I love this ripple effect. I love it, love it. So let's get back to somebody that's listening to this podcast that is in this situation. What's the number one thing they can do right now to help them in this situation?
1: I think it's 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 taking a step back and sitting in the energy right now and telling yourself that you're safe. I think it's so fear-based this, you know, when something like this happens and your power is, your power is completely stripped from you. And I think that a lot of things and a lot of work that I do in the hospital, right? I say to them, you're safe. You're here with me you're survived. But even if this happened to you 20, 30, 40 years ago, you're still living in that fear and reminding yourself you're safe. And actually, I actually, at times will touch myself sometimes when I get overwhelmed, just, just to feel myself and to feel that I am, I am safe. I am in, you know, in this space, nobody's going to hurt you. Uh, And just reminding yourself of that. I think that's the number one thing you have to do.
0: So is this service open to anybody in the world to contact Or does it have to be physically in person in New York City?
1: No. um, So it has to be physically in person in New York City. So there's a lot of of organizations out there. Uh, The biggest one is Rain R-A-I-N-N, dot com. And that that is a a website that can link you to anywhere to do free services where you're at. Um, We also would help out, should it be... In, in Australia or in any other country, we're happy to try to link you to organizations that are similar in your countries. We have a lot of partnerships, I think, in 13 different countries great, that we have helped great. helped other victims as well.
0: Wow. Well, Susan, we want to thank Susan
1: for. Thank you, Susan, being for, for all me. the amazing work you do. Thank you so much,
0: Megan, for sharing that story with us. It's beautiful.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for, for letting me t- talk about Susan. She's amazing.
5: I'm Peter from Canberra, and I'd like to thank uh, uh, an, an old football coach of mine when I was about, probably somewhere around 11 to 14 years of age. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm actually really grateful to be given this opportunity because it's something I've always been, I'm going to say always been conscious of, and obviously I haven't always, but somewhere I would say my late teens early 20s I became aware um, of the impact that uh, this coach had on me and specifically one conversation actually that I I keep going back and and of course I'm a long way from my late teens and early 20s now so I've been thinking about this for over what 30, 30 odd years and I've always wanted to you know bump into him in in the street and, you know, thank him. So his name's St- Steve Arbuto and I played for, uh, De La Salle brothers in Carring And, um, so I- I'm trying to, trying to remember this, the specifics of what happened, but I remember, I remember, um, you know, I was playing, we were playing B grade rugby league and it was soon after my mother had died. So that was at, at, at the age of 11. So it must've been around the age of 12 or 13. I had what I consider to be a low confidence, uh, 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 and people are surprised today when I I say that, but that's how I felt at at that age. Um, I wasn't one of the good players at all. Um, Well, I didn't consider myself to be one of the good players. I wasn't the player that would score the tries or anything like that. So um, just leading up to the semi-final, I I ran into a wall and actually just like... I did something to my kneecap anyway and, and blew up, and, and so I couldn't play the semi semifinal, uh, which was oh. a, a bit of a shock. Um, and I remember going to, to the game, and, and we, got, we got thrashed at the game. And afterwards, I was getting a lift home with the coach and, and with our captain at the time, and uh, he just said to me, Pete, I knew we weren't going to win that game without you. Wow. And, I just, and I, yeah, I, I went um, – well, it was a bit of a shock because, I, I, yeah, as I said, I wasn't really one of the highly rated players. Uh, it was a shock. And I, I said, well, why is that? And, and he just said, well, you know, you're a, a great team player. You're always backing up. You're always supporting. You're always looking at different ways of doing things. And I just knew, knew last week when, you know, you had that injury, I knew we weren't going to, to win. And it was it was a simple – as that. And actually there's been a pattern all through my life where I've seemed to have been put into positions of responsibility well before my peers would consider it to be the right time. So it's happened probably two or three other times in in my life. But that that was the time that actually gave me a lot of self-confidence really right through my life. And it's such a simple little thing. And it was probably just just at the right time when I was questioning my abilities and my confidence, and I guess that was also related to, you know, my mum dying probably the year before, Uh, and and just trying to be part of a you know, a team of kind of cool kids, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, So do you feel that your coach saw in you something that you knew was within you but you didn't expect others to see it within you, or did you not know that that was really within you?
5: no i i I didn't know that was in me um later on when the patterns you know happened a couple other times i did know it was in me whereas you know my i guess my friends my peers my my workmates didn't see it in me so i i i'm not sure what it is that i've put off in those times that you know someone else has seen something in me that uh that others haven't but you know it's happened a few times
0: And so from that point, did you start to believe in yourself a little bit better, a little bit more? Oh,
5: yeah, look, definitely. So over the next few years, I I was a pretty, I was a short, weedy sort of kid, so I wasn't very muscular. And it's around that time some of the boys start to develop really quickly. Yes, you have such a
0: wide range within teenage boys, don't you? You do. You
5: You know, my 11-year-old son's right there now and he's, his mum uh, has just said he's not allowed to play anymore, <laughs> which I have to support. But um, – and, and he's got the same body shape. And and the boys are even bigger now than when I played. Right. But, um, yeah, it gave me a lot of self-confidence. You know, I just I, I just tried harder. I was always in the middle of things. I started, even though I was a, a, a little kid, started winning the the tackling award, you know, for the game, like getting the most number of tackles. Um you know and it was the same person it was the same level of ability it was the same um uh, um you know I had the same body but just those few little words and it only ha- it only happened once we never ever had that conversation again yeah it just it had a huge impact uh, just not only on my football but uh, you know the for the rest of my life and I've always been aware of that how one little conversation that probably went for 30 seconds had an amazing impact on my life
0: so have you Um, been aware in future conversations that you've had have you been aware of the power that you hold in that moment
5: uh when i'm now with with anybody you know it can be children it
0: can be adults it can be anybody that's needing somebody to see in them something that they want to see within themselves but they don't
5: encouragement absolutely Yeah, um, really from whenever I became aware of that kind of changing moment in my life, I've been aware of my ability to impact other people. Um, And maybe that's why I've ended up in areas like coaching, whether that's in organisations I've worked for or or separately. Um, And I guess... The testimonials that have come out of that coaching have said the same sort of thing that I'm saying, you know, about uh, my football coach back then. So, yeah, I've, I've been very aware of it, actually. No, I was just going to say, and it's something I really have wanted other people to really understand the power, you know, one little conversation can have on someone for the rest of their life. And I guess. I guess the same would be, the adverse would be the same, you know. One wrong little conversation, you know, can have a, an impact on someone as well. But that, you know, that's not what we're talking about.
0: Well, but it's interesting you say that because recently when I interviewed Sputnik and he talked about, you know, positive, positive speaking versus negative and, and how back in the 70s you'd have a dad that would come home and you'd have your report card and, and there was, you know, six A's and one B and he'd say, what happened to the B? And think he yeah. was really funny. Whereas we now know that, yeah, maybe that's not quite the right selection of words that's going to, set, that's going to empower somebody as an individual. So it does have the, the same in reverse. And our words are very powerful. And so while I want the intent of this show to be about being aware of the power that we hold and using it to be able to empower another just as you said, we need to be aware that we can be just as powerful in the reverse and we can destroy somebody very easily too.
5: Yeah, and I, I think the challenge is, is to be um, aware at the moment. Yeah, aware at that moment, being present at that moment to understand, you know, this is one of those times that you could actually have, a, have an impact on someone because those moments go by so quickly. Uh, and, and you know that that chance could be gone very quickly as well,
0: yes, I often feel that we don 't need to look for it too hard, though. I feel that synchronicity takes care of that that you know when somebody needs well, even in my own story of my own life is that when I need different new wisdom, the teacher always appears, and yes, whether it 's the form of a conversation I have by random chance, which I don't believe in, uh, through social engagement, or whether it is through a blog I've read or a video I've watched, but the information will always appear. So I don't think we have to work too hard to find those opportunities. And as when you hear this show back, the compilation of all of these stories, most people are not aware of them. I very much doubt that your footy coach, Steve, would have any idea of the impact he's had on your life from that one comment of I knew we weren't going to win today without you on on the field.
5: No, um, I, I I would agree. I, I doubt he would know anything about it, and that's why I'd love to bump into him one day to, to let him know. I'm sitting here as a 53-year-old man, you know, and still talking about it, you know. It, it's quite amazing, really.
6: Hi, I'm Rebecca Brown from Soul to Soul Healing and Teaching, and I would like to thank a man that recognized my potential many years ago and he I was basically trained as a primary school teacher and I was working in that industry but only casual teaching because at that time there was a very long waiting list for permanent jobs in Sydney and I really didn't like the whole setup of the casual system and obviously then I wasn't earning a regular income so it was a bit challenging for me and so I decided, made the choice to move into more of the corporate world. Anyway, I tried and tried and tried, and I went to all these recruiters and um, you know interviewed at different jobs, and they're saying, "Oh, sorry, you don't have any experience in the corporate world; we can't hire you." And I went to who this man who became my boss, and he sat. In front, in front, I sat in front of him and looking at my resume, and he just said what are you applying for this role for? It was a very junior administration like entry level, you yes. know, the lowest salary you can get. <laughs> yes. And just looking at my, all of my experience and so forth, and what he recognised within me was the transferable skills from all of my teaching experience and my education as well. And he said, I've got a much better job for you, and he put me in the role of an account manager. A major account actually that was the biggest account for the company and um, and that started off my corporate career and I was so I still am very thankful for him even though I didn't stay in the corporate world forever ever it was a really important part of my journey and what was amazing was that he recognized my potential he saw beyond the black and white on paper he saw beyond you know, what the recruiters say and all of that sort of stuff. And he went with his own feeling and his own, um, judgment, I guess you could say, and, and saw what was possible. And I think that's the gift in that. And he's just a regular guy, you know, he loved his cars and so forth. And, um, and, but he just saw something in me. And I think when, You know, that's a gift you can give to anyone is to see their potential.
0: Well, I was was going to say that is it a coincidence, which we don't believe in, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, the person that you really most want to thank is the person who saw in you what you didn't see in yourself at that time. And yet now I see you doing a lot of that in your work, that you Mm -hmm. see in others what they don't see in themselves yet and you help them to see it within themselves. That's right. Yeah, I see that
6: now. (laughs) As I was talking, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I do for other people now. I (laughs) hold that space. And see the divine light in them, even if they can't see it themselves. I help them to meet that and to see it more and more and more and more um, just by holding that space. So that's amazing that I was guided to share that story. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Now, I feel like we should mention this lovely man's name because, you know, the world being the small place it is now, somebody might just pass this recording on to him and say, hey, you just got (laughs) faked."
6: I know. I can't think his surname. His name was Gary. And I'm sure it's something. I think like Valencizi, it was a, okay. A,
0: Where was the company? California what was the company? And the company
6: you're... was Minolta, Minolta. Um, you know, it was copiers and, yes. and um, faxes and all of that. It's so not the camera side, it was more the copiers and faxes and all of that. So that was my first corporate job, um, which then led me on to you know a pretty successful career in that area. And um, and I wouldn't have got there, wouldn't have been able to make that transition unless he stepped outside the box of what was, you know, considered normal or what the current belief system was that was really around. So I've always made that – even when I'm working with people now, because obviously a lot of people that come and see me, you know, they, they do want to get out of the corporate world and it's all about well, looking at what are your transferable skills? What have, what wisdom have you embodied from this experience? You know, because all of that is, you know, often people think I'll be happy when they get to the job of their dreams and to do what their soul loves. But actually everything that you've done in the corporate world is fueling you with skills that support your purpose.
0: I love you've said that because so often in life I've joined the dots much later when I've thought that particular role that I played for that company or that particular uh, period of employment or self-employment with that skill base is never going to be used again, what a waste of time or whatever whatever negative thoughts I might have had about it. And yet I find it fascinating that what I'm doing now Everything has led me to this point to have the skills that I've needed, which we can never join the dots until in hindsight, and it's quite <laughs> fascinating to do it. Now, I have to ask about Gary from the NOLTA. What era are we talking uh, the 90s, late 90s. Late 90s. Okay, so does anybody know Gary from Minolta <laughs> in the late 90s in Sydney? In Sydney, yes,
6: yes. In Sydney. He did live at the time on the central coast, so um not sure what's happening now, where he is now. But thank you so much, Gary. You changed my life.
0: And I've got two people that I would like to thank. The first one is a wonderful lady called Phyllis Southgate, who back in the 90s was an event manager and producer for amazing corporate events. At the time, I had my own part-time business where I was self-employed. I had a dance school and dance troops and I was a choreographer and an entertainment producer. However, I was lacking in the confidence to step into that arena full-time. So I was working full-time at the same time in a corporate arena that still was complementary to the work I was doing. I really wanted to be full-time self-employed, but I was scared. I was really scared. And the voice in my head was, I'm really not good enough. Who do I think I am? I'd been told from my first dream of opening my first dance school when I was at 21 that there's not room for another dance school that it's too competitive, it's too hard, you'll never make it work and never could you be full-time as a a choreographer in Adelaide. And so a lot of voices in my head had stacked up that had created great doubt about whether I really could pull this off. And I'd been supplying entertainment to Phyllis Southgate for her beautiful events for a little while and one day she took me out to lunch and she said, Jane, I've got a lot of clients and a lot of bookings coming up And I would like to use your services exclusively. I want to give you all of the contracts to provide the entertainment to her events. Would that help you to go full time and follow your dream and follow your passion? would it? I was so excited, but I still had nerves. So I said, can I go home and talk to my partner, to Simon, about it and get back to you tomorrow? And she said, yes, but she said, I want to share something else that I want you to take home and share with Simon. And she told me a story of how when she was young, she had had a man in Melbourne who kind of sponsored her. He took her under his wing and he said, I see the potential in you. And in those days, Phyllis was a choreographer for the large fashion shows. She worked for all sorts of amazing Australian designers and he saw her ability And he believed in her and he said, I'm going to support you. I'm going to be your go-to person for whatever support you need. If you're in trouble financially and can't pay your bills, you come to me and I'm paying the bills. If you need resources, if you need contacts, if you need mentoring, I am your person. He said, but there is only one catch. You've got five years to find somebody else and do the same for them. Now, all these years later, this brings me to tears. She chose me and that's what she offered me. And that was that moment. That's what I needed was some sort of security to help me to jump, knowing that somebody had my back with whatever this adventure was going to take me on. And of course, she said to me, but Jane, there's a catch. You've got five years to find somebody to do the same to Now, I was blessed that that company ended up having around 500 employees. They were casual, but they were singers, dancers, actors, models, variety performers, all with their own individual dream. And so I too was able to actually pass that forward many times. I chose many different people that I was able to offer the same security and support to. Now, I never had to call on Phyllis for anything, really, because she gave me the clients, she gave me the self-worth, the self-belief. She gave me the confidence. I want to share a little story though that one day my office was broken into and I had a lot of things taken, including my payroll, which back in those days you paid people in cash. And I was a small business and that that was tough. Her husband heard of this and came around with his checkbook. He walked up the two flights of stairs to my studio and he walked in. He said, Jane, I've got my checkbook here. No questions, just tell me what you need. I'm writing a check. Bless him. I actually didn't need his check though. We did manage. The second time it happened, Tulster had made a mistake and something had happened with my landline. Back in those days, officers had landlines and people used to ring the landline because mobiles were so expensive to call. And Tulster disconnected my phone. Or Phyllis had tried to contact me and got a disconnected tone, so she thought something had happened. Once again, Tony, her partner, ran up two flights of stairs with the checkbook saying, what's happened, Jane? I'm here to help you. And I said, it's okay, Tony. It's okay. Telstra have made a mistake. They're onto it. They're going to fix it. What an amazing story that she was supported like this, as was her predecessor. She supported me. I was able to support others, and I don't know how far-reaching That is now gone because for each that I offered the support to, they too were given the catch of they had to pay it forward within five years. If you like this story, I encourage you to start your own opportunity here. You start with you, choose somebody that you would like to provide the support to and tell them they've got five years to be able to select somebody and offer the same support to. The second story I want to share I want to thank my youngest daughter, Zoe. When Zoe had just turned three, she went to bed healthy and woke up like she had cerebral palsy, very severe physical symptoms. So she was rushed to hospital where we were told that she'd had a stroke. And then they said, no, she hasn't had a stroke. We think she may have a brain tumor. So we have to do a CAT scan. CAT scan was done and they said, no, she hasn't got a brain tumor. We think she might have something in the brain stem. So we waited for an MRI to occur. And then they said she hasn't got anything in the brain stem, but she's got something weird going on in the white brain matter. So each day she was in intensive care and each night her temperature dropped to 32, which is near death. And each morning she rose again. It was one of those stories that the hospital had never seen this before. The neurologist had heard of a case once before about 50 years ago. Not the kind of thing a parent wants to hear. The good news is that the doctor had a good idea of how perhaps she could treat the symptoms while not knowing what the cause was. Every test came back as non viral. Basically, her body was shutting down on herself. What happened in that moment? One of those nights, I was holding her on my chest and I was playing a beautiful little game with her at three in the morning. And we were giggling and laughing together. And I felt this connection with her at a level that I'd not felt before. And in that moment, I knew if I had to say goodbye to her, that I'd had my moment, that I would always remember that amazing, soulful, deep connection. What I realize now is that in that moment, that's when the healing started. I vibrationally was not the mother that Zoe signed up for. And she was easy. She was exiting. She was leaving this lifetime. This was a decision for her to have an exit. In that moment of connection with her, I became the mother vibrationally that she signed up for. And so she chose to stay. And it was the next day that her symptoms started started to lessen. Interestingly, for the next few years, we had pediatric care because of bowel issues. And those that know a lot more about these things than I do shared with me that that is the first chakra to close when the soul is exiting the body. So she was, she was going, she was not staying. And in That moment, I got what a waste my life had been. I had been focusing on things that just didn't matter. I instantly resigned from the position I was holding. At that point, I had gone to paid employment for a short period while the children were little. I changed my focus on what my priorities were, and I got it. I got it deeply. And that was the journey that started at a much deeper spiritual level for me. And I am so grateful that my beautiful little girl had to go through that for me to get what's really important in life. Of course, I would never want her to go through that. I would never want anyone to go through that. But she did. She is so healthy. She is now 15, and so that was 12 years ago. There has never been any sign of any relapse whereas the medical profession told us this could come back at any point. It never has, and I feel reasonably safe in saying it never will. So she gave me the gift of belief, deep belief, and understanding of vibration, of what is important, of spirituality, and of love. I want to thank Zoe for that. (laughs) Life-changing moments have you experienced in life, and who is it you would like to thank? I encourage you to record a video or an audio recording, thanking the person that you would most like to thank, and posting it to our Facebook page, Love Life Show. Let's share more beautiful stories and see if we can get the recordings connected to these people, so they can actually hear themselves being thanked and have a greater understanding of how they have positively impacted another's life. So jump onto our Facebook page and help us to start tagging away to get closer to these people hearing the recordings. And until next week, feel the extraordinary power you have within you and know that in any given moment, you can be the catalyst for great positive change in this world. Life is
2: perfect, I'm not
0: trying,
4: it's just happening. A beautiful day.